You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. So I don't know exactly how to express to you how absolutely infuriating it is to put in hours and hours worth of work to create an episode that previews games and then forget to publish it until after the games are done. I had no idea that I didn't hit publish. Because it's a seven-step process to get this recorded audio up there. And for some reason, the very last step is always the one that I forget. The one where you just click publish. Boom, done. I just walk away from the computer like, all right, mission accomplished. Let's get some breakfast. So, anyways, uh, I do talk more about, um, you know, just previewing games. Some of it is implications and some other thoughts that I've had. So I would encourage you to please go back and listen to that. Otherwise, we'll just pretend it never happened. It's not the first time I've wasted time. I've wasted entire years of my life, so I guess I can't be too mad about a couple hours. Context, right? Anyways, happy game day. How we feeling? It is actually an interesting question. I did do a poll, but of course it was like 98% said the Packers are going to win. Should have expected that. I posted it mostly in Packers groups. A couple just NFL groups, but you know, wasn't as unbiased as I was hoping. So I don't know. I don't actually know how people are feeling. I'm I'm uh, I'm very nervous, <laughs> but I uh, I do want to talk about you know once again as I talked about yesterday. And if you're gonna throw a fit, but you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, knock it off. Talking about why this game doesn't matter as much as you might think it does, but elaborating a little bit because I looked at what is probably going to happen if we lose this game, and it's not the worst situation ever. Slightly worse because we don't get our buy, so we don't get that automatic guaranteed, um, basically a, a guaranteed victory. There's also the risk of injury. But I think we win in the wild card. And then if we got to play a team on the road, you know, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But I, I don't see it as that much of a harder road, but we'll, we'll you know, we'll get there. I want to um, elaborate on what I was saying about tanking. I kept saying I'll, I'll elaborate more tomorrow, and today is tomorrow, so congratulations. We finally made it. And then a little bit about why this is a very important, not just game for the Vikings, this is an important season, I think, for the Vikings. So, anyways, that's the general structure of what today is going to be about. I am going to be gone the next couple of days. I'm planning on bringing my laptop, but we'll see how it goes. Otherwise, make sure you join the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. I deleted a few of the bots, so now it'll just be one bot that is uh, drunk and dumb as opposed to three of them arguing amongst each other. So, sorry to have removed that level of entertainment, but I want to try to clean this up a little bit. Otherwise, if you'd like to support the podcast, a five-star iTunes review would be very gratefully helpful. Otherwise, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support for as little as a dollar a month. Or in and around two cents an episode. Whatever. Something to consider. Why don't we take a break, and we'll talk about some stuff. Well, today is the day, so I'm guessing unless you live in Minnesota... The time that you had to buy a ticket to go support the Packers is uh, past. I would still encourage you to do it if you live in the area, though. Because, again, I can't stress how important it is that we have a presence there. Not because I expect there to be any noise for the Packers, but it's going to be so unbelievably loud there. It's, uh, I mean, that, that's a big part of the reason why it's so hard to play. You want to know why the defense is so incredibly good when they're at home? Because it's so loud when the other team is, uh, is playing offense. It's insanely loud. 
And so just filling those seats with Packer fans is going to keep the noise level down. So if you're able, I would absolutely encourage you to download the Vivid Seats app, buy yourself some tickets, and go fill some seats. Otherwise, I don't know if you knew this, we got two days until Christmas. If you're on a last-ditch scramble, and maybe before when I told you this, you're like, no, nah, I'm going to get, Amazon will get it here in time. You're out of time, man. Amazon can't even save you at this point. Just open up the app, see what's going on in the area, buy grandma some theater tickets or something. Something to consider. And when it's time to buy, make sure new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So really, if you are going to the game, please remember to send lots of pictures and videos to the folks in the Facebook group or send it to me on Instagram. It would be greatly appreciated. Let us all know you're there and uh, we'll support you in spirit. I mentioned Chris from Chicago is going to be there. One of these days, maybe next year, we're going to have to have a Packernet podcast meetup or something at a football game. Also, as a reminder, if you're playing the Packernet stock market game, today's Monday, so it's the last day to get in, and I'm kind of talking to myself on that one, too. Got to get in there. So since I talked about it yesterday, let's start off with talking about tanking. All right, so I just deleted a 20-minute rant about tanking because it's game day, and I'm sure that's not what everybody's tuning in for. So let me try this again concisely. ay 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 The amount of time I waste, I tell you. Number one, tanking I think only takes place at a GM level. At an ownership level, it doesn't make sense because they don't have control. At a coaching level, it doesn't make sense because, (sighs) number one, their job is usually dependent on wins. And also, I don't think you, even if the coach was on board, you don't want the coach doing things that might tip the hand. You know, the players might be able to pick up on it, whatever. You don't want that because it can never get to the players. If a coach walks into a locker room and says, hey, guys, guess what? We're shutting it down. It's going to be all over social media in about 30 seconds. There's going to be riots in the streets of that fan base to find out that the team is tanking. Even if it's the right decision, it's just the players are going to be in an uproar and the players are going to be in an uproar and it's going to be a mess. So it can't get to the players. It doesn't really serve a purpose getting to the coach. I think this is a highly top secret conversation that goes on between the owner and the GM. And it's a conversation that essentially, at the end of the conversation, you have the the talk about this does not leave this room. Because it, it you know... It's going to be really bad PR, and your your locker room is going to suffer for that. If they find out that you gave up on the season, and, and while they're going out there trying to win, you're actively trying to make them lose. Now, I still think it's the right decision at times, and I will use the 2018 Green Bay Packers as an example. Number one, shutting down players, and I don't think this necessarily happened with the Packers, but this is one way that you can do it. Shut down players that are injured. Let me use Dwayne Haskins as an example of that. Dwayne Haskins was injured. He got taken off the field. He got x-rayed. Turns out the x-rays came back clean. Haskins said, I'd like to go back out and play. The Redskins said, nah, why don't you sit this one out? The Redskins went on to lose that game. Now, I'll get back to the implications of these things in a second, but that would be one way to help your team lose. Now, granted, that probably happened at a coaching level, so maybe that's not the best example, but it is one way in which you can do that by shutting guys down that have injuries at a GM level to say you're done. Number two. 
you ship guys off. Guys that maybe you're already planning on not bringing back next year, but there's no real reason to send them off this year unless you can get some kind of compensation. But as an extra added benefit, whether I get compensation or not, it's going to be harder to win without you. For example, we're going to ship off HaHa Clinton Dix today. And notice, this didn't start happening until it became pretty clear no chance the Packers had of winning anything that year. All of a sudden, HaHa Clinton Dix was gone, Ty Montgomery was gone, and Jermaine Whitehead was gone. All three guys, all for different reasons. Jermaine Whitehead slapped a guy. And I've said it before, the coaches, Mike Pettin and Mike McCarthy, downplayed it like it wasn't that big of a deal. I think McCarthy even went on to say it's one of those situations where the second guy gets caught. The GM said, nah, we're making him go away. Ty Montgomery basically disobeyed an order to stay in the end zone and decided to take it out. He got shipped off. Now, it was dumb, but do you have to ship a guy off for that? No, you don't. And then HaHa Clinton Dix, you get some compensation, but as I've said, HaHa is not that bad, and the team got worse without him. Now, are we better off now? Yeah, probably, but that kind of goes to my point, doesn't it? We're not focused on this year, we're focused on next year. We'll get better next year. This year, we're going to try to help next year by not winning as many games. Those are ways in which you can try to shut things down. Oh, and by the way, if you really want to turn the screws to your team, you fire your head coach. I don't care how bad of a play caller you think he is. It's not going to help your team to fire the head coach. Just from a personnel standpoint, all the work that that guy did is now gone. And the new guy that's going to come in and try to do all that work, in this case Philbin, does not have a a Philbin of his own to do all that work. So they were in basically crisis prevention mode because Brian Gutekunst gutted the team. They, they didn't have the resources to even win anymore. Because they weren't trying to win, they were shutting it down. And again, that didn't happen from a coaching level, that didn't happen from a player's level. Brian Gutekunst didn't walk in and say, I want you guys to stop trying to win. No team would ever do that. But from a GM level, from an ownership and GM level, we're talking Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst level, yeah, I think you can kind of gear it down. So let's transition now into implications. Because some people are just never going to buy into this. So let me ask you a question. The Arizona Cardinals beat the Seattle Seahawks. The Arizona Cardinals on Twitter are just bragging. They're super excited, right? Now, I can understand why the 49ers are super excited. I can understand why Packers fans would be super excited. But outside of being excited in the moment at the expense of tomorrow, is there any reason for the Cardinals to be excited? Let's let's fast forward four months from now. You've got five players that pick guys in the draft. Bengals, Redskins, Lions, Giants, Dolphins, right? The Arizona Cardinals should be up next. They should be able to get a guy like Jerry Judy or Jeff Okuda, whatever, but they can't because they won. So they have to watch the Jaguars take a guy that they would have liked to have. They have to watch the Chargers take a guy that they would have liked to have. They have to watch the Carolina Panthers take a guy that they would have liked to have, and then the Cardinals get to pick. Do you think in that instant, do you think after pick five, Cardinals fans realizing that they should be next but have to wait three more uh, for three more teams to pick, do you think very many fans are going to sit there and say, yeah, but guess what? We beat Seattle that one time. That was pretty cool. Let me let, let me try this one more time. Giants Redskins three and eleven. Both teams are three and eleven. The Giants. I have been mocking Chase Young to the Giants for probably three weeks. They've had that number two spot locked up for a long time. The Giants beat the Redskins and are now scheduled to pick fourth behind the Redskins, behind the Lions, and of course the Bengals, who have number one locked up. Do you think there is a single Giants fan on the planet with the guts to sit in a draft party full of Giants fans and watch the Washington Redskins select Chase Young, and you think they have the guts to stand up and say, well, at least we beat the Redskins? 
that person's going to get their teeth knocked out. You know why? Because Chase Young, and I, I've been saying this for a while, I think Chase Young had the ability to turn the Giants into a playoff contender. They've got a quarterback. They've got a great running back. They've got a revamped offensive line. If they could get the number one pass rusher in football, or even a top five pass rusher in football, which very likely could happen, this team could be a team that is, especially in their division, good enough to win the division and get into the playoff. They lost that so that they could beat the Washington Redskins. You're telling me there's no time ever when tanking makes sense. Garbage. For Chase Young, anybody that wants to throw a fit on my team about tanking, because you think we're tanking, whatever, and uh, fine, you can go. I couldn't care any less. Goodbye. What, David Mayo is going to pop up and say, I don't, I don't like a team that's going to throw games and I feel like we didn't put in our all? You think I'm not going to take David Mayo and throw him out of my building with my own bare hands if it means I get Chase Young? Happily. I'll have the police escort him out of my building with a big old smile on my face if it means I get Chase Young. They lost it. They lost him. He's gone. They're not going to get him again. The Redskins aren't going to win. The Lions aren't going to beat the Packers. It's done. The Giants are done. And the only thing they can do now is hope that they don't go on and do something dumb like win another game and lose the next spot. Because they went from 2 to 4, which is devastating. If they mess up again, they can end up going from 4 to, to 8. I don't know exactly where they would seed behind all these other teams, but it could get ugly real fast. How many people are going to say that's worth it? A New York Giants team in 2020 with Chase Young? Or a 4-11 2019 team that happened to have beaten the Washington Redskins without him? And yeah, they're going to pick somebody. Again, they can get Okuda. They need some cornerback help. Maybe they get Jerry Judy at 4, which seems a little bit high. But they could use a wide receiver. Basically just an Odell replacement, which, you know, whatever. It's, it's not Chase Young, though. It's just not. So, uh, yeah. Es- essentially, that would be my retort to anyone saying you should never tank and it would never happen. Um, as a fan, I think rooting interest, there are times when you would root against your team. Now, however you want to handle that, I know last year for me, I would talk about intellectually, we need to lose, but then on game day, I would root for them because it's whatever. It doesn't really make sense, but it's just, it's, you know, handle it however you want to handle it. But intellectually, you have to see what I'm saying is true. And again, as I said yesterday, there, there comes a time when it just doesn't matter. If you're a 7-8 and eight team, losing a game isn't really going to help you. And if you want to argue that winning the game has more of a positive impact than losing has... I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. All right, if you go from picking 18th to picking 14th, I, I don't really think that's going to help you all that much. The odds that losing that game is going to mean you pick some kind of a freakish stud, whereas you wouldn't have gotten it, maybe, but it's really unlikely. But in certain circumstances, for example, if you're the Giants, and I said this yesterday, if you're the Giants and you don't throw this game, you're idiots. And it's, it's easier said than done, because again, you can't go into the locker room and say, guys, we're losing. So as a GM, you got to find ways to try to shut things down, but you know... Maybe there was nothing they could do. I don't know. But if, if, if you're the GM of the Giants and you're glad you beat Washington, you should be fired. If I'm the owner of the Giants, I'm going to sit right next to my GM. And if he starts celebrating after the Washington win, he's fired. He's not going to touch my draft. But, you know, that's me. Anyways, again, I don't want to do a 20-minute rant. That's essentially where I stand on tanking and why I think in certain situations, not all situations, it's not if you're out of the playoffs, you should tank. That's not necessarily the case. But there are definitely situations where Winning is going to have some pretty catastrophic results to it. And I think the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants are a pretty good example of that. All right, let's shift gears a little bit here. I want to look at the Seahawks uh, loss, which is obviously very, very beneficial to us. The, The biggest problem that came out of that game Aside from the fact that everybody getting injured basically doomed me in fantasy, I I had it locked up. I won. It was over. It was done. 
And then the last four players I had in these afternoon games got basically zero points across the board. DK Metcalf got zero. Chris Carson, the running back, went out injured. Just everybody got like zero. So now I'm doomed. Thanks a lot. But in, in all seriousness, no, the, the Seahawks got decimated with injuries in this game, which, by the way, when I say that the most important aspect of this game, even more so than winning and losing, is health, I 100% mean that. The Seahawks are in a really, really, really bad situation right now. Chris Carson and CJ Proceis are done for the season. Dwayne Brown is going to need knee surgery, and they're saying it's possible he could return at some point, but they're not going to have Dwayne Brown back for a while. Basically, if, if we happen to make it to the Super Bowl, he might be able to come back kind of thing. Here's the thing. Dwayne Brown is the only competent offensive lineman for this entire team. So they lost two running backs and their only good offensive lineman, and he was a pretty good offensive lineman. I mean, you, you could borderline put him in the elite category. Technically, PFF put him 21st overall, but, I mean, he, he's up there with, I mean, he's legit. He's, he's a very good tackle. He's done. And so the, the negative aspect of this for us is that in order to get that number one spot, Seattle now has to go and beat the 49ers. That's going to be really, really hard for them to do. So it was kind of a good news, bad news thing. The injuries probably helped the Cardinals to win in that game but it's going to make it harder for Seattle to beat the 49ers, which is not what we need. If the dumb Rams could have just finished out that game and won, we wouldn't have to worry about it, and the Packers could just win out and get a number one overall spot. Now, the other interesting dynamic in this is, and I don't mean to say that Seattle is officially done, because they're still, you know, they've got arguably the best quarterback in football this year. Um, Lamar obviously probably has the the most votes in that category, but as far as a, a throwing quarterback, arm talent, I think Russell Wilson is the guy this year. Either way, He's really, really talented. And they've still got some wide receivers and whatever. But but let's just say Seattle isn't exactly the cream of the crop. The first scenario would be despite this craziness, and I know this is kind of a weird way of thinking, but just bear with me. If Seattle somehow pulls off a win against the 49ers and the Packers get the number one seed, what I think would likely happen, although it's not 100%, but I, I, I would expect the Vikings to go to Seattle and win. Not guaranteed, but whatever. And that would mean that Minnesota, regardless, would come to Green Bay, which is ideal for the Packers. I mean, everything is ideal for the Packers because it's at home. If Seattle goes on to win, we would face the winners of the 49ers or the Eagles game, which would probably be the 49ers coming to Lambeau. Not super great, but hey, at least it's at home. The more likely scenario is that the 49ers win and the Packers get the number two spot. The interesting part of this is that one of only a couple things is going to happen. If, because it's going to be the Saints are now the number three seed against the Minnesota Vikings, who are the sixth seed. If the Saints win, that's awesome because the the Vikings are gone. Bonus. But that means the Saints then come to Lambeau, which I actually think isn't the worst possible scenario. They're a good football team, but this is going to be a cold weather game. Drew Brees is going to be outdoors. It's going to be in the Packers element. The Packers defense plays better at home. Aaron Rodgers plays better at home. Not the worst situation. Then you would have either Seattle or Philly going to San Francisco. And unfortunately, probably that means Green Bay ends up going to San Francisco after the fact. So either way, it's it's kind of good, but it gets kind of tricky at some point. But that's, I mean, that's the playoffs, right? It gets hard. But either way, they're, they're not really nightmarish scenarios. Here's the other thing I wanted to point out, though. If the Packers lose, and of course I'm not rooting for it, but if the Packers lose, what likely is going to happen is that the Packers are the number three seed because they won the division. 
The Eagles would be the number four seed because they won the division, but with a worse record. The Vikings then, because they won and the Seahawks lose, go up to a five seed, meaning we play Seattle at home. So we would play, if we lose, a banged-up Seattle team in Lambeau. I think that's a win. Now, of course, nothing's guaranteed, and I'll take the guaranteed victory every day of the week, but best-case scenario with all the injuries that they have, I think is going to be Packers in Lambeau against Seattle. Now, as the three seed, we would automatically go play the number two seed, which is the Saints. Obviously not nearly as good of a scenario as the Saints coming to Green Bay, but I would say that's definitely the second best or the the best option if it's between that and the 49ers. Point is, I think that's somewhat doable. And it gets tricky because it always gets tricky because it's the playoffs. And at some point, it's it's you get beyond the, well, I think we can beat them and while we're at home and all these advantages kind of go out the window and you, you got to just be better than a team that's that's really, really good. But I like I, either, what I'm saying is I like either way that this is shaping up. Of course, I want to win. And of course, I'd love for Seattle to find a way to win so that we get that number one seed and we just get to be at home throughout the playoffs. But again, it, it gets to be hard again because you don't get to play at home in the Super Bowl and Again, at some point, you just got to be better than another team that's really, really good. But just looking at the way things are shaping up, it, it seems doable. As far as seeding goes, everything's pretty well laid out. Packers are going to be 1, 2, or 3. Seahawks are going to be, what, 3 or 5. 49ers are 1 or 5, which is pretty drastic for them, for their standpoint. Which, you know what would be fantastic? Another added benefit of this is that the San Francisco 49ers being the 5th seed, being on the road against the Eagles, it's not impossible the 49ers lose that game. And to have the 49ers out would be kind of awesome. The only real unfortunate thing is the sixth seed would be the Vikings, who are probably a harder team to face than the Eagles, but I don't really care. I'll take the Vikings at home. So I I don't know, man. I I think it's shaping up pretty good. It's The simple fact of the matter is, at some point along the way, whether or not you get a bye, whether or not you're at home, this team is just going to have to play some really good football and continue doing what they've done all year, which is find a way to win. Just find a way to win. And again, the, the biggest thing, winning is huge. Beating the Vikings is huge, and I don't want to downplay it. But health is the most important thing. Zadarius, I don't want to see him rolling around on the ground again. I've seen that in like five games already, and one of these times I'm worried he's not going to get up. I just want everybody to be healthy. That's the number one most important thing to me. I don't know why I sounded Irish when I said that. Anyways, why don't we take a break, and then I want to talk about why it is that the Vikings really, really, really need to win now. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So one thing that I find pretty interesting about the Vikings, obviously everyone understands the contract situation, but I, I think they're in a relatively good situation just from the standpoint of their core guys are pretty well locked up. There are two big issues, though. 
Number one, well, three, I guess. Number one would be if guys begin to regress, there's not a lot of wiggle room. These are our core guys. These are the guys we have locked up for the long term. It's kind of similar to the Packers, where they have their core guys locked up, but they use pretty much most of their money. I mean, they, they still have money, but the idea is this is the group we're going to win with, and we need to win with them. And again, if, if there begins to be a regression, it gets difficult as far as how do we manage this. Because it's not like we can just dump them because we just signed them to a four-year extension. We can't afford to do that. Um, the, the other bigger issues, number one, is Kirk Cousins. Well, this would be number two now. Cousins is in his final year next year. So the question becomes, what do you do? And I honestly, I don't know how the Vikings let him go. I really don't. I mean, he, he's been playing really well this year, and the idea that, well, he hasn't been perfect and you can do better, so we should try try something out in the draft. The odds of you hitting on a quarterback in the draft and getting someone better than what Kirk Cousins has done in 2019, pretty low. But financially, how do you how do you afford that? You paid him a fully guaranteed $84 million contract last time, over three years. You're going to have to come in way over that if you're going to want to extend him again, and you probably do. He's only 31, so that becomes a question, but but maybe it's not a problem because they're just going to extend him, and then boom, we got everybody locked up. We got all our core guys locked up, including Kirk Cousins. Here's a, a third thing that I think needs to be taken pretty seriously. I think this Vikings offense has done phenomenally. It is one of the top offenses in football in terms of yardage and points. As of right now, they are the sixth highest scoring uh, team in football. They are ninth in yards, so top 10 in both categories. That's pretty solid for a team that's identity is its defense. The question I have is with all the head coaches getting fired, are you going to tell me that Kevin Stefanski isn't the top of a lot of teams' lists? I, I, I saw this conversation on Twitter, somebody talking about Stefanski possibly getting the nod or, or being gone after this year, getting a head coaching job somewhere, and some Vikings fans were like, no, why would anyone get want Stefanski over all the other options? What other options? Over Mike McCarthy? I mean, I, listen, I, I think Mike McCarthy's going to get a job. I think he's going to go somewhere, and it's probably somewhere that's going to make sense, and there's a chance, depending on how much he's adapted, that he's going to be able to figure some stuff out. But this is a guy that is running an offense that mimics the most popular offenses today. He's running that outside zone, the same thing that Matt LaFleur is running, the same thing Sean McVay is running, the same thing Kyle Shanahan is running. He's running it, and he's doing an unbelievably good job doing it. Kirk Cousins is having the best year of his entire career under Stefanski, who, by the way, was his quarterback coach the last two years. He also has an unbelievable amount of experience having been a quarterback coach, a running back coach, a tight ends coach, an assistant quarterback coach. He, he's run the gambit in a lot of different areas, and beyond that, he's been insulated only to the Minnesota Vikings. So it's not like he's been around to a bunch of other teams and we've been able to see like all the success or failures or whatever. This is a guy that, for all we know, he's the next big thing. He was just given an opportunity to run a Vikings offense that last year did not do very well at all. They fired the guy. Stefanski takes over, and they're a very good offense. In fact, if we look back over the history of the Minnesota Vikings, and remember, this is Stefanski's first year. They have never had an offense this good under Zimmer, ever. Ever. The best offense they've had in terms of point scoring was in 2017, when they were 10th. Again, this year they're 6th. In terms of yardage, they were 11th that year, and this year they're 9th. The last time they had a team that was this good on offense was under head coach Brad Childress in his last, well, kind of his last, his last full year in 2009 when Brett Favre was the quarterback and Adrian Peterson was the running back. And Sidney Rice was their number one wide receiver getting 1,312 yards. The time before that, that, that they were even this, this successful on offense was 2004 under Dante Culpepper with Nate Burleson as their wide receiver. 
They've not had an offense with this much success. And the reason why they would get so much of a nod is, number, again, number one, every team's looking for that next big thing. He's playing an offense or running an offense that is this sort of modern cutting-edge offense. He's a young guy. So what if he doesn't come from the McVay tree? That has nothing to do with anything. You're looking for young, untapped potential. This guy just pokes his head out, and suddenly you got the best Vikings offense they've had since 2010 under Brett Favre. And by the way, the offensive coordinator that, uh, of that team was Daryl Bevel, who went on to go to Seattle very shortly after. Very successful offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. Also quarterback coach for uh, Brett Favre for many years. So the, the, the bottom line is there's no guarantee this guy would be a head coach, and maybe they feel like he's not ready for it, and there's a temperament issue, and I, who knows what the issues could be. But I would be absolutely stunned if Kevin Stefanski wasn't at least brought in for a lot of interviews. And, there's, and, and the other attribute, of the, the other part of this, is you can say, well, why wouldn't you say the same thing about uh, you know, Nathaniel Hackett? Well, because it's Matt LaFleur's offense. And Matt LaFleur is already a head coach. A lot of teams, head coaches are offensive-minded head coaches. That is one of the other negative attributes about having a defensive head coach is that if you find an offensive coordinator that does a good job, somebody's going to look to pluck him and make him their head coach. Now, technically, that could be the same with a Vic Fangio, but usually not. Usually, we're looking for offensive head coaches. Even if it's just a trend and it's a dumb trend, it's still a trend. So if you are a very good defensive head coach who has to hire really good offensive-minded people to run your offense, the problem is, as soon as you find that guy like a Stefanski, you got guys like the Browns, organizations like the Browns, you got the the Panthers, and maybe even other teams that aren't super on the radar who are looking at it going, dude, we can do better than what we've got. If, if Stefanski is available, let's see if we can bring him in. I mean, if you're the Miami Dolphins, would you bring in Stefanski over Brian Flores? The guy whose highest achievement was being the linebackers coach for the, you know, the Patriots, technically the defensive coordinator, but he never even got that title. I mean, I'm not trying to trash the guy. It's not his fault that the team was terrible that he inherited. I'm just saying from a from the standpoint of actually having a really good head coach that could turn this offense into a high-powered offense, especially if you're the Dolphins and you're looking at it saying, we want to get a guy like Tua Tungovailoa. Don't you want to pair that with an offensive-minded guy like Stefanski? I do. You know, the Redskins, who basically just have an interim head coach, you think they're not going to go out and try to find somebody? Detroit said they're bringing back their coach, which is dumb, but whatever. The Dolphins... The Jaguars, the Chargers maybe are due for a new coach, even though nobody's talking about it. Why not? They can never meet their full potential. The Panthers are already looking for a new coach. The Jets probably won't try to find a new coach, but maybe should. The Browns probably are going to be looking for a new coach. The Falcons maybe are due for a shakeup because they have not been reaching their potential. The Cowboys probably looking for a new head coach. The Bears are unlikely, but if the Bears' hands had their way, they'd probably be looking at a guy like Stefanski, right? That's a lot of teams that might be interested in bringing the guy in for an interview and, and compare that list to the amount of guys that have the potential to be the next Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. Just just rattle them off. Who are they? Who are the guys that come to mind not named Kevin Stefanski? I, I think that's going to be a really hot name this year. And so again, and this isn't to say their offense is going to go completely in the tank, but that's going to hurt. We saw what their offense was last year. 19th in points, 20th in yards, not the worst in the NFL, but it was nowhere near good enough, and they fired the guy. Because a bad offensive coordinator leads to a bad offense. And basically, with the exact same players, Stefanski comes in, makes it the best offense since 2009. And then you lose that guy, and what happened? Probably not going to be as good anymore. And so it's, it, I, I would say it's very, very important for the Vikings 
to push really, really hard and try to win immediately. Because I don't see this as a team that's going to get better and better over the years. This is a team that's holding on to what they have, which is a good team. It's a good enough team to win a Super Bowl. But they're not getting a lot of high draft picks. They don't have a ton of salary cap space to go out and make a bunch of moves. They're probably not going to be looking to upgrade their quarterback because they're not going to be able to. So all the key, you know, new pass rusher. No, they already got a pass rusher. They've got a quarterback. They've got a lot of the key central pieces that you need to be a good football team. It's a matter of we need to execute now. Execute and try not to go backwards. And I think losing Stefanski is a big step backwards. And, and, and again, the time's running out. These, these longer contracts, every year that goes by, these guys get worse and worse. Their contracts get more and more expensive. And you got to start rebuilding. And they need to find a way to win. I'm not trying to advocate for them. I'm, I, I just think they need to see a sense of urgency. This isn't the Packers. The Packers have guys locked up that are young. There's no sense of once, you know, in two years, these guys are going to start deteriorating and then we got nothing. In two years, Darius Smith is 28 years old. I think this is a team that's that's playing for desperation. And that desperation is for a Super Bowl. And so it, it actually kind of comes full circle back to the point about would would this team shut down players in the regular season to make sure they're healthy for the playoffs? I think that becomes an even more emphatic yes when you consider the fact that pride and winning the division means absolutely nothing. The urgency to get a Super Bowl championship is so, so strong because this is the team we're going to win with. That's the mentality they have. This is the team we have to win with. Otherwise, we're in rebuild mode. 31-year-old Linval Joseph and 32-year-old Everson Griffin aren't going to be around forever. Neither is 30-year-old Kyle Rudolph or 31-year-old Kirk Cousins or 30-year-old Harrison Smith or 32-year-old Andrew Sandejo. I mean, Xavier Rhodes is only 29. He's already done. They've got some talented youth, but they've also got some guys that are just on the way out. And shockingly, a lot of these guys are the ones that they locked up. Everson Griffin is locked up until, what, 2023? Kyle Rudolph, they locked up until 2024. I mean, they, they just refuse to give up on guys. This is the opposite of what the Packers do. Kyle Rudolph would be gone already. They got him locked up until 2024. And I'm sure there's an out and, and whatever, but still, that's ridiculous. They've made the decision that this is our team. Daniil Hunter, Shamar Stefan, Linval Joseph, Xavier Rhodes, uh, Kyle Rudolph, all these guys are locked up for a long time. Adam Thielen, I mean, he's not super old. He's 29 years old, but he's locked up until 2025, that, until he's 34 years old. D- is there any thought to these guys that maybe Adam Thielen's peaked? Maybe it's all downhill for Thielen from here on out? They got to win quickly. And they're, Listen, they're a good team. I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to trash the team. But the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is I believe that the, I, I think the Vikings see all of this and they realize this Packer game, for the players, yeah, all the pride in the world. For the fans, huge game. For the Vikings, I don't think they could care any less about this dumb Packers game. They're not going to win the division. They are in the playoff. Their focus is we're getting our first Super Bowl championship this year and that's it. Preservation and health is going to be their number one thing. Now, now, now that they've already shut down two of their running backs are one and a half. I don't know if Madison's official yet. Now maybe it's balls to the wall, but I do think the Vikings clock is ticking. And that, and it comes back to what I've said before. In the big picture, I think if anybody were to pick a team that you wanted to run long-term that you thought was going to have long-term success, I don't know why you'd pick anything other than the Packers. The Packers basically had a one-year rebuild, and in their first year with a new coach, and, and their, their quarterback is locked up for a long time, and basically all the key players that they have are pretty much locked up. we we got to pay... Kenny, we got to pay Devante, we got to pay Bakhtiari, and probably extend Balaga for a little bit too. Some of these guys are still young, by the way. Devante's still a young buck. Bakhtiari's 28. You could sign him to a four-year contract like it's nothing. 
Devontae, you know how old Devontae is? I'm actually shocked. I just looked it up. He's only 26. You could lock him up for five years and not even blink. I'm telling you, man, this team is, 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 this is, this is the long haul. This is it. Might need to tweak some of our assistant coaches. Something to look at. Maybe some of these, these positions aren't exactly living up to what they should be. Maybe we could tweak offensive coordinator, wide receiver coach, cornerback coach, whatever. Pick up a couple pieces here, grab a wide receiver, get this and that. This team is built for the long haul, man. And so Vikings fans and a lot of Packer fans are going to make this act, this, this seem like this game is the Super Bowl. And look, I want to win it as bad as the next guy, which actually probably isn't true. But this game isn't what's important. The playoffs and being healthy and being strong and being ready to go is important. Honestly, the, the biggest part about winning this game that, that means the most to me is proving that the Packers can go into a hostile place like Minnesota and beat a playoff caliber team in their own turf. That's the biggest thing. It's not the division. It's not because it's the Vikings. I just want to see them do it. But at the end of the day, let's not lose focus of what the big picture is here. This is a team that in 2018 couldn't even tie their own shoe. In one year, the GM went out and got a phenomenal coach, along with Mark Murphy. In in the first year, and this team is still trying to figure out the offense. You look at some of the things that the Rams are doing and some of these teams that, that you know the 49ers are doing with their offense. The Packers haven't even gotten to that point in, in developing the offense to be able to run some of these concepts yet. They're just scratching the surface, and they won the division in their first year. And I know I keep saying that, and it's not official, and if we lose to the Lions, it's going to be really disappointing if we lose two in a row and lose the division. Whatever, we're in the playoffs. And yeah, I'm going to keep saying it. We won the division. We're going to beat the Lions. The team the team is, is in the playoffs and somehow is still a sleeping giant. Because they haven't even begun to scratch the surface of how good they can be if they can develop. Again, for most of this defense, even though it's Petten's second year, it's a lot of these guys' first year. Rashawn Gary's first year, Zadarius's first year, Preston's first year, Amos's first year, Savage's first year. What's going to happen in year two? What's going to happen for Rodgers in year two, Devontae in year two? This offensive line in year two, learning how to run, maybe let's try to get that outside zone going a little bit. Let's work on that. Get the draft. Get some of those missing pieces that we haven't had. This is a sleeping giant that has the potential to be the number one seed, and they haven't even started yet. Don't be disappointed in what we're watching. Again, if you want to go to the extent of calling them frauds, whatever, but please try to keep the larger context of what we're looking at here. This is a team that's bumbling and fumbling trying to figure out how this kind of offense works. They've been running Mike McCarthy's offense for a long time. They're trying this new thing out. There's some hiccups. There's some bumps. There's all kinds of problems, and they're still potentially the number one seed in the NFC. They could potentially win a Super Bowl this year, and they haven't even gotten started yet. They're, 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 just, they're still in Matt LaFleur 101 class. They haven't graduated 101 yet. They've got the potential to be a powerhouse. What we need to do is be patient. And this isn't a defeatist message. I'm not saying we're going to lose to the Vikings. We're not going to win a Super Bowl. I'm just saying, even if we don't, this is an unbelievable year. And if we do, everybody better watch out. Because if the, if, if the Packers win a Super Bowl with this, still just trying to figure out how to, how to just put one foot in front of the other in this, this offense and defense, it's game over. And so let the Vikings have this small, small-minded picture of things. We're better than you. Cousins is the goat. <laughs> we got a better defense. <laughs> Let them say whatever they want to say. Big picture, anybody would take the Packers situation over the Vikings situation. Any thinking human being would rather have this situation. And from that perspective, the Vikings better win. 
Because everything is in their favor. they got a better offense. they got a better defense. They're at home. They're the better team. They're all these things, and all the experts say so, and the Vikings fans know so. Everybody knows. What happens if they lose? What happens if the Vikings in their own turf can't even beat the Packers, who are this, you know, they're frauds. They don't have a good offense. They can't do anything against a good defense. Blah, 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 blah. What does that mean? The Packers have a lot more to gain in a win. The Vikings have a lot more to lose in a loss than the opposite. Big picture-wise. The Vikings are supposed to win this game. They don't lose at home. We'll see. Best of luck to you. I'm not going to lose sleep either way. Might lose about an hour. And make no mistake, I will be turning off my phone in an effort to make sure I don't live tweet anger and frustration because I want to portray myself as a even-keeled, you know, intellectual analyst when in reality I'm just a psychopath who demand. You know, I, I turn into the worst kind of fan when the game's on. If there's a three and out, this is the worst team in the world. We should fire everybody. I mean, I come back to normal, but the emotions just get a little out of whack. So I, I make sure to stay off Twitter in those times. But big picture, that's where we're at. And the Vikings are, are, it's their last gasp. And they need to win this game. And they need to be able to be good enough to win, especially at home, because they're not going to get a lot of home games. They're on the road, which they have not been very good on the road. So they better be able to beat the Packers at home, or they're in a lot of trouble. Because if they see the Packers again, it's going to be in Lambeau next time. And if they play the Saints, it's on the road. And the 49ers are on the road. Everybody's going to be on the road. So I'm going I'm to stick with this big-picture concept, big-picture context. The Packers have already wildly exceeded any expectation that any rational human being would have had, and they're only going to get better. And if the Packers beat the Vikings today, that changes everything, because they're not supposed to. Because if the Packers can beat the Vikings in Minnesota, there really aren't too many teams that they can't beat. So we'll see what happens. I got nothing else. You folks have yourselves a fantastic rest of your day. Hopefully I'll have some very good news for you tomorrow. Hopefully I'll have a podcast for you tomorrow. i got to remember to bring my laptop. But otherwise, enjoy your day. Go Pack Go. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.